Hey, I want to welcome you again to another pod for Israel. And we have with us again, Dr. Golan Broshi. Thanks for coming on. And we have an interesting one today. We're going to be diving in to the cross in an unexpected place. We're looking at the cross of Moses in the Torah. So how do we see Yeshua and, you know, Moses, you know, this whole cross figure actually appears in the Old Testament, actually in the Torah itself. Um, let's dive in. What did you find here, Golan? Yeah, so so first of all, if if Moses wrote about Yeshua, and according to rabbinic literature, Moses is the first Messiah, the first mess- messianic figure that delivers Israel out right. of Egypt, out of bondage, out of sin, delivers them to the promised land. If Moses is the first Messiah, then Yeshua, at least at least we believe, has to be the second Messiah, the greater Messiah. And Moses wrote about Yeshua. Yeshua himself said it. So if Moses wrote about Yeshua, he must have wrote about the cross somewhere. We, hmm. mu- we, we must have hints for the cross in the Torah. And we, we, we want to just dive in bef- be- with, without uh, further ado. Yeah. And uh, if you can read from, uh, from uh, Exodus 17, and we have a battle between, uh, between Israel. Actually, it's the first battle they have, the first war. They have Joshua is fighting, and Moses is doing something really peculiar. Up on the mountain. Yeah, so Exodus 17, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Mm -hmm. Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Yes. And continue just a little bit. What happened then? So then something happened to Moses. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek. And his people with the edge of the sword. In verse 14, the last one, verse 14. So then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Yes. So we have the first war, mm. Israel with, with, with an army, of course, not a professional army, but army. And the first time in the Torah that God tells Moses to write something down. Mm. So this this is really important. If that's the first time, and it's not, by the way, it's not a law. It's not a, it's not part of the of, of the of the six hundred and thirteen commandments. Yeah, but 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 he's telling him to write this th- this episode yeah. down first time that God commands Moses to write. So it must be crucial. Now, can you imagine that war? Joshua is going to war, and Moses is up on the mountain with his hands on a hill. Hmm. With his hands stretched. And when they look, when the soldiers and Joshua look up to see that figure, what do they see from a distance? They see something that resembles resembles something? A cross. A cross. And basically, like when you would be crucified, it wouldn't be like you'd be just straight like this. I mean, you're hanging by it. Exactly. uh, That's kind of, it's that same looking posture. And there's two people on, on each side. 
of holding Moses. his arms up. There's, there's two people uh, surrounding this 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 crucif this crucifixion symbol. Hmm. But something really interesting that got lost in the translations. If you can read the end of verse 12 again, because Aaron and Hur took uh, took his hands. And they helped him. They support him. So the end of, of of verse twelve, it says his hands were something supported, supported until the until the sun came. Yeah, it's it's really amazing because in Hebrew it says his hands were steady. I think that's oh what steady steady. Vayihadav steady in Hebrew it says vayihadav. So his arms were emuna faith. Hmm. Moses's hands were faith. What, 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 what this is it's, it's as if it doesn't make sense even in Hebrew hmm. but what is it Moses's hands were faith and the sages that the rabbi said so it wasn't actually Moses it was it was the faith in what they saw wow. that rescued them it wow. was the faith in, in this <laughs> figure on the hill this oh, figure that, that that stretches its hand it's, and 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 you, you wouldn't believe it but the rabbis are connecting this story to another cross in numbers with a snake. Wow. So it, when it says his hands were steady, it, in his, it actually in Hebrew, says in Hebrew, emunah, emunah which faith. is faith. It's clearly faith. Truth, faith. Yeah, well, th that's wow. the word we get for amen, amen, yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, Faith, truth. His hands were truth. His hands were faith. That's but so the faith cool. wasn't in Moses himself. It was in, 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 in the whole act. The faith that Israel showed towards this figure, that's this amazing. crucified figure on the hill. Wow. Now the rabbis, this is amazing because the rabbi said, wait a minute, this, this reminds us something else. It reminds us of, of another figure of a cross in Numbers. Right, right. And we're talking about Numbers 21, Numbers 21, verse right. 8 and 9. Can you read? It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who looks, everyone who's bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, it's always said, a, it's a curious statement. It's a interesting why why looking, this looking at the snake on the cross and but 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 you know I said the rabbis connected connected the two dots with a with a with a cross figure, mm. but there was a rabbi that lived before the sages, a rabbi that connected it in John three. Remember when uh, when Yeshua. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yeshua was talking to Nicodemus. Right. He connected the dots even before the Talmud did, before the Midrash. Rabbi Yeshua did in John 3, is it verse 14? 14 and 15. Yeah. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we see the cross of Moses' hands hmm. connected by the rabbis and, of course, Yeshua to mm. the snake on the pole. Right. And remember, who was the battle in Exodus? Exodus uh, 17, who was the battle against? It was Amalek? Yeah, Amalek, yeah. And, and this is so crucial because Amalek, this, this vicious people, are going to hunt Israel until the book of Esther. Until right. the book of Esther. It's like the seed of Cain, the seed of Satan against the promised seed. All the way to Haman. Exactly. Yeah. And, who's, and, and it's always the seed of, of Cain always wants to destroy the promised seed. You right. Know? right. And, and, and we see it. We see it with, uh, with, with Saul, the king. Saul, the king that wouldn't kill Agag. Agag, mm -hmm. the Emelite. He wouldn't kill the king. And, and Samuel had to rebuke him. Yeah. And then finally, 
we see Haman, uh, Haman, uh, um, mm. that came from Agag, from Amalek, trying, yeah. to, uh, trying to, uh, to vanish, to destroy Mordecai and the whole Jewish people. Now, what, what, what did he have? What did Haman have against the Jewish people? And we have the, the clue is, is, is when the text tells us that Haman was, uh, was from the dynasty of Amalek. Oh. So he wanted, yeah. to, he wanted vengeance. He wanted to destroy the Jews once and for all mm. before the promised Messiah would come. And praise right. the Lord, you know, the hand of Mordecai was, uh, the hand of Mordecai was faith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see this, this is constant battle against uh, anti-Semitism is actually really rooted in a spiritual war that's been for centuries, for, you know, since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. there's been that uh, war between the seed of God and the seed of the evil one. And there, there's, there's a third. So we, we, we showed two places in, ex, in Exodus and Numbers where the cross, the cross of, of Yeshua, the cross is, is shown. But Moses is speaking about another ex, a, a episode with a cross, and that's Genesis 22. Now, it's, it, Moses doesn't say it explicitly, but the, the Midrash, the rabbinic Midrash helps us, and you'll see why. In, in Exodus, in, uh, excuse me, in Genesis 22, uh, God is asking, f- God is asking Abram to do something. What is he? What is he asking Abram? So he to said, do? "Then take now, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you." So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together, and they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, Abram is taking his son, his only son, to bring him as, as a sacrifice, as an offering. Where? Where does it say in English in verse, verse 2? Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. Now, what was built on Mount Moriah? We see Solomon, was, Solomon built something on Mount Moriah. It was the temple. So Mount Moriah is the, is the place where the temple, in the middle of Jerusalem, where the temple, when the te- where the temple stood. Right. So, so God is telling Abram to take his only son and bring, give him as a sacrifice on the temple, the hmm. place where the temple is going to be, and then verse 6, if you can read it again, see, this is really crucial. Verse 6, Abram. Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand. And you wouldn't believe it, but the, the Midrash, Midrash Bereshit Rabbah, the Midrash says, when Abram put the wood on Isaac, it was Isaac was appearing to be as somebody who's taking his cross. Wait, 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 wait. The Midrash. The says Midrash. This. The Again, rabbinic okay. Midrash. This is the rabbinic text. He's, is actually saying he's that depicting Isaac as somebody who's taking up his cross. Wow. Taking up his cross to be to being to, to being slaughtered to give to give his life. This is amazing. Isaac is taking up his because it says Abram put the wood on Isaac, and mm. and, and 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 the rabbi said it's as if Isaac is taking up his cross. Now it it gets even it it gets even better. Read verse nine uh, again, please. Verse nine. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, 
Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. He bound? Now, when you hear bound his son, well, what do you, how do you interpret bounding? Uh, some people think maybe like tied his hands so behind tied, his back or something. Now, another Midrash, another rabbinic Midrash, mind you. We're yeah. talking about rabbinic Midrash. Midrash Tanchuma says he, bu- he, bind, he bound Isaac. Yeah. And Isaac said, Daddy, please bind me stronger so I wouldn't move. I wouldn't move when you when you when you slaughter me. Uh, why why wouldn't you move? Because if I move, I might break a leg, mm. and if I break a leg, I wouldn't be a perfect sacrifice. Mm. So Isaac is telling his daddy, "Bind me tight, so I wouldn't move and break a leg. I wouldn't move and break a bone, because if I break a bone, I'm no longer." A, a, a perfect sacrifice for the people of Israel. Hmm. Because according to rabbinic tradition, Abraham uh, uh, sacrificed Isaac for the future sins of Israel. So Isaac is, ta- so imagine, Isaac is taking up his cross and when he's being tied to the altar, he's saying, Daddy, tight me really tight, really tight, the knots, make it tight mm-hmm. so I wouldn't move, right. I, I wouldn't move, I wouldn't jerk w- 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 when you try to kill me. So I wouldn't burn, I, I wouldn't break any bone because I have to be a perfect sacrifice. Now, does it remind you something not to break any bone? Yeah, of course. And that's just even in the traditions of, of in, in the Torah itself, it talks about what's acceptable as a sacrifice before God. Yeah. So the Midrash, you know, embellishes into the story that's in the Torah. But again, it's uh, kind of leading you towards a narrative. But it gets even better. Because uh, how do you, do you call the apicrypha the, the the outside yeah, the books that didn't, right. didn't get in the in the Old Testament? No, right. no, there's apocrypha of the New yeah. Testament and apocrypha of the Old Testament. Right. Jewish books. I'm talking about Jewish books from two centuries B, uh, B, BC, two centuries before Christ. It's so it, a, a really unique book called the Ju- Jubilee. Jubilee. Yeah. Jubilee is the fiftieth year. Yeah. It's called the Book of Jubilees, Sefer Hayuvalim, the Book of Jubilees. Mm-hmm. Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah. And in that book, it's a Jewish book written in Greek, probably. I think they found a copy of the book even in Qumran, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But it's an ancient book, 200 years or something before uh, before Christ. And then uh, it, it describes this episode uh, from Genesis 22. It describes uh-huh. Abraham taking, uh, taking Isaac. But it adds two really important factors. It says... It gives us it gives us a specific date, and you want to guess what is the date that this this Isaac is going to be slaughtered on the temple on the on, on the on the temple mount. What date would it be? It gives us the specific date. It says on the first month of the year, hmm. which is the month of uh, Nisan. Right. You say in English the month of Nisan, and on the fifteenth. Of Nisan, mm. does it ring a bell? The fifteenth of Nisan. It's Passover. Passover. Yeah. The Passover lamb. So it gives us this the, the, the jubilee. Now it's two hundred years before Christ. You cannot say that Christian tempered with this book. There were no Christians yeah. yet when, yeah. when this book was written. The, the this uh, uh, this outside book of the Old Testament. Uh, so so it, so it says first it gives us the date. It says on the first month. And in the uh, the fifteenth, the actual slaughter hmm. happened on the fifteenth, between the fourteenth and the fifteenth, the, the specific day. And then, even better, 
it says when when Abram wanted to slaughter Isaac it says two figures stood by Isaac and Abram one was Satan and the other one was a figure a figure named Yeshua Sar Hapanim Yeshua the angel of God Yeshua Sar Hapanim that's a name Wait, of so when was this book actually correlated when, when was it 200 written? years 150 200 years BC before Christ before Christ before yeah this is incredible wow it says two people now Satan Satan is, is, is telling Abra Abraham do it and, 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 and Yeshua, Yeshua Starhapanim, Yeshua, the angel of the Lord, it says, Yeshua, it's a, fig, a mystical figure. Which then, if, like, look, if, if we even just disconnect that away from our familiarity with Yeshua's name, our, our Messiah, you know, as you guys know, Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua, but let, let's just even disconnect that and just think of uh, this angel called salvation, the angel of the Lord. Who is salvation? That buries the rabbi okay. said this angel is bearing the name of the Lord upon him. And and again, it's bearing the name of the Lord. Uh, and again, this is this is also this book is written two hundred years at least two hundred years before yeah. Christ. And you know, it's just it's amazing. You know, e even if you were to disconnect uh, Yeshua's name from that and just look at look at the theme of what's happening in this scene. It, it's quite amazing. Can I also even, uh, because our, our our listeners are probably still thinking of like, why why did God lift up a snake on a pole? Why have a, a fiery serpent? Okay, I get the whole look to this cross, <laughs> but why the fiery serpent on the cross? It was Yeshua. It was the it was the perfect Lamb of God. It was the Son of God who who died on the cross. What? Why a flying? Fi I mean, why a fiery serpent? Now. I'd love to hear your perspective, but it's just something that really pops in, in my head about this is, is the whole, the whole fact that our sins were nailed to the cross, our sins, the sins of the world he bore as he hung exactly. on that cross. Exactly. And so he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so like they're looking at their sins on the cross, it, you know, represented by this snake, which is like symbolic, symbolic of sin and Satan and evil hanging on this cross, crucified, defeated. Wow. You know, uh, is, is there any extra depth that you've heard into that? But no, no, the, just, what you said is really, uh, really perfect. But, but listen, amazing. back to back to the book of Jubilees, and, and, and it's it's if somebody wants to look it up in English, right? It's okay. chapter chapter eighteen. It says that two figures were standing. Satan is saying to Abraham, "Go for it, do it," and God is telling this myst mystery, mysterious angel called Yeshua, this angel, hmm. tell him, "Don't do it. Tell Abraham not to do it. Not to do it. This is not this is not the time yet. Don't do it." And after Abraham and Isaac are going back. Going back home, right? It says that from that from that day forward, Israel celebrated seven days. In the remember, we're talking about the first month, the month of, of, Pe of Passover yeah. of Nisan. The first month from the 14th and 15th of the month. It says from this tradition came the celebration of Passover. So, 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 so uh, this is incredible because it gives us. Another tradition 
for Passover besides the Exodus story. Hmm. It's, it tells us that this narrative of a wow. father taking up, uh, taking his, putting his son to, almost to death yeah. after he took up his cross and it gives us the specific date of Passover and says this wow. is the reason why Israel is ce- celebrating seven days in, 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 in exactly the Passover time. So it nails exactly the, the date. And the last thing it says, it was on, the, on Mount Zion. Because mm. the, the, the Mesoratic text in Genesis 22 says Mount Moriah. Mm. But, but the book of Jubilees says Mount Zion. So we have a, another specific, it's the same place, of course. The yeah. Moriah is on that, but it's Mount Zion. So how can, you cannot, you cannot it's, it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence where, the, where it all happened. You know, I, I mean, even, I, I know there's a big debate on some people believe the Holy Sepulchre, some people believe the Garden Tomb areas, uh, Golgotha, and uh, yeah. different, there's a bunch of different theories, and, you know. But it's interesting to me that if you've ever been to the Garden Tomb, you look over and you can see mm-hmm. part of the quarry. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting, I was ex- explaining to a person who was there that this the stone you can see it was cut off and you can see the old city walls mm. as they're lined over there and then you can tell that the stone kept coming up 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 to that precipice mm. which is now they have a there's a muslim tomb at the top mm. there and that's the place of the skull is up up top on top of that mountain there and they stopped quarrying rock there because basically the stone Cutter said they rejected the stone and the builder, yeah, yeah, builders rege- rejected it has become the chief cornerstone. That's an amazing uh, correlation there. But but basically, was was the very top of Mount Moriah where he was sacrificed the exact place <laughs> where Yeshua was crucified? Because if you were to look at it before Solomon and the you know the different buildings of Jerusalem and the temple, that mountaintop would have kept going up 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 to the place of the skull to that spot. Which is where, you know, at least I, I, I believe that was the spot where he was crucified. Yeah. You know, I, there, there, again, there's a debate between archaeologists on this, but, but how that, amazing is that? And there was that same spot that Abram took Isaac. Wow. The same spot. That's and amazing. that gave us the tradition for Passover, according to, to the book of Jubilees. <sighs> now, we said that Moses is, 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 is described as the first Messiah and Yeshua is the second and greater Messiah. Right. So let's see another resemble, amazing resemblance between, between Moses and, and Yeshua. And we'll end with that. If you can read from Exodus 1, Exodus 1, 15, 16. Exodus 1, 15 through 16. Yeah. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Sapphira and the name of the other, Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. So Pharaoh had enough with Israel. He had enough with he doesn't. What does he want to do? What does this evil Pharaoh wants to do? Well, he was fearing that they would uprise, uh, start an uprising and that he would lose his power. So he was going to kill all the male boys. Why? Because, you know, scholars are asking the, the, the question, why did Pharaoh wanted to kill only the boys? Yeah. Why boys? I mean, if if he wanted if he wanted to wipe out Israel, yeah, it's logical to kill all the all the girls, all the baby girls, because because if you miss one boy, 
he can he can make he, he can give pregnancy to a f- to, to, to to a bunch of ladies it's a true. bunch of women yeah so true. so it's smarter if you want to if it's population control that's not the right way exactly. to do it if it's uh i mean you could think oh he was trying to call out the fighters okay through men but again what you're saying is totally true because a woman can produce way more than a man can exactly <laughs> naturally okay so, so so why did pharaoh try to wipe up uh, wipe wipe up exactly uh, specifically the, uh, the the male why not the girls and we have two outside sources that gives us the ex- explicit reason we have the, the the Bible and we'll go to the Bible in a minute right but we have two uh, outside sources from the Bible that gives us there and I'll give you one to read in English from uh, Josephus this the Jewish historian Josephus in the um, the Jewish iniquities I think the yeah. book is called so he says while the affairs of the Hebrews were in this condition there was this occasion offered itself to the Egyptians which made them more solicitous for the extinction of our nation one of those sacred scribes 18 who are very sagacious in foretelling future events truly told the king that a, about this time there would a child be born to the Israelites who if he were reared would bring the Egyptian dominion low and would raise the Israelites, that he would excel all men in virtue and obtain a glory that would be remembered through all ages, which thing was so feared by the king that according to this man's opinion, he commanded that they should cast every male child which is born to the Israelites into the river and destroy it. So why did Pharaoh according to this source, according to Josephus, which wrote in the first, in the late first century, uh, why did, according to Josephus, why did Pharaoh wanted to kill especially the boys, the Jewish boys? It wasn't just about population control. This was a promised Messiah. There promised was a messianic figure. There right? was a man who was going to come up, a boy who would go on, who would save Israel and would bring low Egypt. And we have a rabbinic midrash in Midrash Shmot Rabbah, a rabbinic midrash that backs this up. Mm. And later, much later, a few hundreds, a few hundred, a few hundred years after Josephus, a midrash that says the same thing: that the the the, um, the advisors, the uh, magicians of Pharaoh, told him, "Be, be careful from this son. Be, be, beware of this child. Mm. He could take your crown and make it your make make the, your crown his. So be careful. You got to be careful from the." We don't know what to do with his son. You know, after after the the daughter of Pharaoh brought Moses as a, as a baby child, yeah. the magicians of uh, of Pharaoh said, "This son is." They, we see something in the stars about this son, about about this child. Yeah, be careful of it. Be careful of him. So it backs up Josephus' story that that, that Pharaoh knew that there a son is born, a child is born, a child was given to Israel that could cause him a great deal of trouble. Hmm. Now, as I said, even the Bible itself give us a hint for that reason, for my, why did Pharaoh wanted to kill especially the boys? So now I'll ask you to read again Exodus 1, 15, 16, Exodus 1, 15 and 16, and then go directly to Exodus 2, to the beginning okay. of Exodus 2. 
Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Sapphira, the other one named was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. And Exodus 2, Exodus verse 2, 1, 1 and 2, yeah. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. So ex- exactly after we read of Pharaoh's attempt to get rid of all the boys, right. we read about a special boy that is being born to the, mm. to the, to the tribe of Levi, Moses. Right. So even the Bible itself, even the Torah itself, gives us a connection between Pharaoh wanting to kill all the boys and the birth of one specific son, Moses himself. Right. And of course, we read the fulfillment of this story in Matthew. Matthew, the second chapter, where uh, Herod, you say Herod the king, yeah. wanted to kill. So I think it's um, in from verse 16. So it's Matthew 2, 16. Okay, Matthew 2, 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who are in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. And why? Why why did Herod? Herod did the same thing that Pharaoh did. And from the same reason. Yeah. Why did Herod want to kill all the all the sons of Beth, of Bethlehem? Because he heard that the king of kings would come. Exactly. Bethlehem. If you can read Matthew 2, verse 20. All right, Matthew 2, 20. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. Yes, so the same language, those who are seeking to kill him died. You can go back. It's the same language that Moses is using in Exodus 4.19. Exodus 4.19, when God is telling Moses, the one who wanted to kill you are dead. You know, Moses flees. He fled from Egypt. So in Exodus 4, 19, there's the same language being used. Now God is telling Moses, the one who yeah. wanted to kill you died. It says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Exactly, you can return. Yeah. So again, Matthew wants, Matthew wants to take up this, this what, what the rabbi said, this is the second, the Messiah is the second Moses. Right. Matthew did it much, much before, hundreds of years before the rabbis ever thought about it. Hmm. Matthew shows us, yes, this is uh, Yeshua. Exactly what happened to Moses happened yeah. to Yeshua. And what Moses wrote about, the cross, the, 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 the Egyptian, uh, the, hmm. the, the exodus, trying to kill the firstborn, trying to kill all the boys, but looking for that special boy. What happened to Moses happened happens to, to Yeshua. Yeshua is the second Moses. He's the greater mm. Moses. Moses. He's the second the second Messiah, but the ultimate Messiah. As we know, famously he said, God will raise up a prophet like me. Exactly. Him you shall hear. Wow. So that's why we said that you can see the cross of Yeshua even in the Torah of Moses. If you just open mm. your eyes. That's beautiful. 
Well, thank you so much. And guys, I hope this encourages you. I just, there's a lot of new stuff for me as well. I, I just pray that and we pray that the Lord would just open your heart to see with faith that you would look to our Savior, our Messiah, and receive the free gift of salvation, that those who, who are far off that are hearing this maybe for the first time, that, that they would see Yeshua, our Messiah, from the very beginning of time to today. Amen. So beautiful. Well, thank you, Golan, and God bless you guys. Have a great week. Amen.